Hello, people of the way, blessings in Jesus. If you have your Bible, please open up to Judges chapter 17, the book of Judges chapter 17. We continue our study through the Old Testament. And, you know, sometimes it's hard to see the good in certain passages of Scripture. Sometimes we see the good after the fact. And the book of Judges has parts that are painful, very painful, extremely painful. But this isn't reserved to the book of Judges only. Do you remember our study in Torah? Our study through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and how when we were in our studies through Deuteronomy and Numbers and Leviticus, how we would make mention how Torah is a nice base plate for both Testaments, for the Old and New. And, you know, do, do you remember how when we would make mention of future events or future uh, studies where when we see what the Lord does, when we see how the Lord responds, it really shouldn't be a surprise how the Lord responds. Because you remember our study in Deuteronomy 28, where, you know, the Lord, when you look and you read Deuteronomy 28, Go back and listen to our study because the Lord, he's just doing exactly what he said he would do. Blessings for obedience and yes, curses for disobedience. And when we look at the curses for disobedience, you see when a person is outside the village, it's much easier to turn around and get right back to where a person needs to be in the Lord, in obedience unto the Lord. But then if that if those steps of disobedience get further and further and further and further and further away from the Lord, then you're talking straight up Egypt all over again, and that's not good. And so when we look at passages such as Judges 17, and not necessarily Judges 17, but here till from Judges 17 to Judges 21 to the end of the book of Judges, we're going to see some passages that are painful. We've already seen it in the book of Judges. I mean, and it's not just reserved to Judges. We saw it in, in, uh, in the book of Joshua as well. We saw it in the book of Numbers as well. We see it in the New Testament. I mean, Corinth, Galatia, there were some major problems in those churches. And so what's so powerful is that, you know, when we look at the book of Deuteronomy, you see how 12 tribes are unified. In the book of Joshua, we see how 12 tribes are unified. And then when the book of Judges comes, we don't see unification anymore. You see, and while the Lord becomes forgotten among the multitude, he remains remembered and honored among a certain people, like Ehud, like Deborah, like Mama and Papa of Samson. And these are things that we see in the book of Judges, but it's not reserved to Judges only. And you know what breaks my heart? It's when the Lord is not honored. The Lord is not remembered and the people, they don't really see it. They think, I mean, when, when you look at the life of Jeremiah, Jeremiah, they called him the lonely prophet, the weeping prophet. You know why? Because he was alone, because he was weeping. And why was he weeping? 
He was weeping for Judah. Judah, they had their priests. They had their prophets. And the Lord speaking to Jeremiah says, yeah, they got their prophets, but they don't speak for me. I don't speak to them. You see, consider the multitude of Judah. When, you know, hey, Jeremiah, you're so stupid. Why are you so doom and gloom, Jeremiah? Why are you talking like that, Jeremiah? Why are you going to weep? You say you weep for our behalf. Get out of here, Jeremiah. We're going to listen to our priests. We're going to listen to our prophets because you know why, Jeremiah? The Lord is with us. The Lord is for us. And if the Lord is for us, who can be against us, Jeremiah? We're of the elect. You see, that was the mentality of the people. What they didn't realize is like Samson. Remember when Samson, when his hair was cut off, he didn't realize that the Lord had left him. The same happened to Judah. The same happens today. People don't realize the Lord left. You see? It's why we stress formula. And don't forget, sometimes, you know, people get very mad. How could you say the Lord left? How can you say the Lord left? Listen, there's a people. There is a people who will stand before the Lord and hear the dreadful words, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. Now, if that's said there, when a person, when a soul is standing before the Lord, if that's said there, what are the building blocks that led up to that? It's like the Samson moment when Samson didn't realize the Lord left. Just like with Judah. When Judah, hey, Jeremiah, you're so stupid. Why are you so doom and gloom? Why are you so doom and gloom? You're so, why do you weep all the time? You're such a crybaby, Jeremiah. Get out of here. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, you know, I got my, my, my priests. I got my, my, my prophets and they say nothing but good things. And I'm going to listen to them because we're of the elect and God is for us. Why, do you, why are you going to be such a downer, Jeremiah? You see? And they didn't realize. And shortly after, you know what happened? Babylonian captivity. They didn't realize. They thought everything was fine. They thought everything was good to go. But everything wasn't fine. The people didn't realize. The people didn't see. And here in our study in Judges 17, look at verse 6, not to fast forward too much, but in verse 6, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And this is terrible for everyone to be doing what was right in their own eyes. Yes, that's terrible. And then not to fast forward too much, but go to Judges 21. And in Judges 21, verse 25, Notice, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Do you remember our, the farewell discourse of Moses in our study in Deuteronomy? Do you remember? Do you remember the discourse of old man Moses? And we emphasize the desire of the people for the pep talk. You know, because Israel, the second generation, they were about to pass into the promised land. And Moses was giving them some hardcore truths. Hardcore truths. You know, come on, Moses, tell us the good things. 
Moses, we're about to enter the promised land. And why, why are you being such a downer? Why are you telling us this? You see, we want to hear the good things, Moses. Old man Moses, he knew. Moses knew that obedience would wane. He knew. Old man Joshua knew that obedience would wane. You see? And here we are in the book of Judges, and we see it here, but what have we seen already in the book of Judges? Obedience had waned. You see? And here in Judges 17, let's start our study here in verse 1. <clears throat> and in verse 1, there was a man from the mountains of Ephraim whose name was Micah. In verse 2, and he said to his mother, the 1100 shekels of silver that were taken from you and on which you put a curse, even saying it in my ears. Here is the silver with me. I took it. So notice what's happening here. There's a fellow by the name of Micah, and he's having a conversation with his mom. And, you know, he, he, he says, you know, the, 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 the money, the 1100 shekels of silver, you know, you put a curse on and you said it. And I heard you say it. You said it in my ears. Here it is. It was me. I took it. Now, this putting of the curse, it's an oath for repercussion, you know, and, 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 and parents, 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 parents. I love you. I love you. I love you. Parents are very familiar with this. You know, say, for example, you're a parent, you're a mom, you're a dad and you're a parent and you're you just want a cookie. You want a cookie. And so what do you do? You go to where you keep your cookies. You go to the cookie jar and you open the cookie jar and you see there are no cookies. What happened? Then you look to the kids and you say, whoever ate my last cookie is straight up toast. You're going to get toasted. Whoever took my, you know, you got to ask permission to eat a cookie. And I thought there was a cookie. There was a cookie here in the morning and I want a cookie now and there's no cookie. And whoever took it, hey, stand by. You see, it's like, you know, an oath of repercussion. Who took my cookie? An oath for repercussion. And here in the case of Micah, he's an adult child. Okay, he's an adult child. He took 1,100 shekels from his mom. Now, there's probably some wealth in that family, quite a bit of wealth. And Micah fesses up. It was me. I took it, mom. It was me. And so his mom, look at what happens here. And his mother said, may you be blessed by the Lord, my son. Now, what's happening here? What's happening? May you be blessed of the Lord, my son. And so, wait you know, Micah, he says, hey, mom, I stole your money. And here it is. And the mom says, hey, you know, may you be blessed, son. Now, I'm not saying that the kid should have been stoned to death. I'm not saying that Micah should have been stoned. Even though we're in the Old Testament and we have Old Testament rules of engagement. But you start to notice some oddities in this particular home. Something's off here where the mom, the mom says, you know, whoever took my money, you know, I'm going to go to the elders. I'm going to, you know, there was this 
cursed. And when you th think cursed, don't think cursed like what you see in the movies. It's kind of it's, it. It translates in the Hebrew as the, the a, a, an oath. But the oath, be, the reason for the oath is because you know there's gonna be repercussion, just like with the cookie jar. You know, whoever ate my last cookie, hey, stand by because whoever did it, you're gonna be toast. And when I say toast, I don't mean, you know, like beat up your kids to a bloody pulp. I just mean like, hey, you know, you're going to be get, get, you know, you're going to have some groundation to face. And so what happens is that with Micah and his mom, you know, here, mom, you, you, you said you were going to you know, whatever your oath was, whatever your oath of repercussion. Here it is, mom. You know, it was me. I took it. Here's your money. And then the mom says, may you be blessed of the Lord, my son. Now, I'm not suggesting that he should have been stoned. But we start to notice certain things in this home. Notice what happens here in verse 3. So when he had returned the 1,100 shekels of silver to his mother, his mother said, I had wholly dedicated the silver from my hand to the Lord for my son to make a carved image and a molded image. Now, therefore, I will return it to you. Very interesting what we see here. Very interesting what we see here. The mom is straight up admitting, you know, this, 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 this money, this silver from my hand to the Lord for my son. And it was, there was the carved image, a molded image to make a carved image and a molded, molded image. And so I'm going to return it to you, son. That's what she says to him. Number one, a carved image, a molded image. You know, this translates in the Hebrew, you know, idol idol and she attempts to homogenize it too you know it's to the lord son you know i had this money and it was dedicated to the lord she tries to homogenize it you see it's for the lord and so what happens is that she tries to give it back to her adult son micah her adult child will say and remember her oath of repercussion now, it's not exactly clear what that oath was, but, you know, whatever it was, there was that oath, you know, kind of like the, with the cookies, you know, you know, who took my cookie because whoever took my cookie, hey, you're going to be toast. Now, whatever that repercussion was, it was enough to get Micah's attention. I have a hunch that it was, you know, I I'm going to tell the elders. I have a hunch where the mom says, you know, whoever took my money, I'm telling the elders and they're going to execute justice. Now, justice and Old Testament rules of engagement, justice that, you know, it's, it's pretty serious business. It was enough for Micah, the adult child. It was enough for Micah to say, hey, mom, it was me. I took it. You see, it was. And at the same time, the mom Look what she says. She says, oh, you know, the Lord bless you, son. The Lord bless you. Notice, not only do we see these oddities in the home, but along with these oddities, we also see idolatry. And not just idolatry, but the admission, you know, hey, son, in verse three, you know, th this was for the Lord. And I was going to make a carved image and a molded image. You see? And it's very interesting because, you know, let's not forget that Micah took money from his mom. Let's not forget that he's a thief. Let's not forget. And we also see conduct that reveals something. And it's what we looked at already. Doing what is right in one's own 
eyes. And in people doing, and not just people, Micah and his mom. And with them doing what was right in their own eyes, idolatry. Idolatry. Admitted idolatry. Carved image, molded image, translates in the Hebrew as idol. That's forbidden. That's forbidden by the Lord. Then you start to see like, well, wait a second. You know, I know, I know the verse that we looked at in verse six that everybody was doing right in their own eyes. But at the same time, when you see what is happening, when you take a, a closer look and you see what is happening, it's like, wait a second, idolatry. And Micah's mom tries to homogenize it. You know, you know, whoever took my money, I, I, I'm going to tell the elders and they're going to execute justice. Now, I, I don't know. The, the Bible doesn't reveal what that oath of repercussion exactly was, but it was enough to get the attention of the thief, her own son. It was enough to get his attention to say, hey, mom, it was me. It was me. Here it is. And what does she do? The Lord bless you. The Lord bless you, she says. Wait a second. She admitted that it was for idolatry. There was the carved image, the molded image. And she's saying, oh, son, the Lord bless you. Let's not forget that the son is a thief. You see, look at the conduct. Look at the conduct. Then you start to realize why old man Moses said the things that he said. You start to realize why old man Joshua said the things that he said. You start to realize, like, wait a second, what is happening? What is happening? And whatever the curse was, whatever her curse was or her oath of repercussion, whatever that was, it was enough for Micah to fess up. You see? But Mama was worse. Mama was worse. Do you remember our study in our New Testament study when Paul mentioned the first commandment with promise? Well, you know what's before that commandment? Idolatry idolatry mama's idolatry and it explains micah's criminality mama's idolatry explains explicitly clear micah's criminality yes he's a thief but look who raised him look who raised him sometimes sometimes i meet teenagers young adults even old adults and lives that have a share of mess and they seek counsel and we pray and we talk and it's actually beautiful conversation that we have beautiful moments some of my favorite moments are you know the the one-on-ones some of my favorite moments in ministries are, are in ministry are the one-on-one -on -one conversations i there's they're so beautiful they're so beautiful and you know sometimes people they say hey you know i need some help with something it's like okay let's talk and so we sit down, we talk. Sometimes we stand and talk, but then after a while, I got to sit down because my legs get tired. <laughs> and we talk and we pray. And it's so beautiful in these moments because, you know, and to pray and, 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 and make our petitions known and ask for, uh, uh, for the Lord to heal. And sometimes when people, they expose, like, you know, I'm in a mess and they expose and say, here's the situation. And it, it breaks my heart. But you know what happens? The majority of time, the majority of the time, 
The biggest culprit to the mess is upbringing. The biggest culprit is upbringing. Seeds that were sown by mama and papa. And I'm not talking seeds from the word of God. I'm talking about seeds of carnality. Seeds that were sown by mama and papa. Things of the carnal nature, things of the flesh that were sown by mama and papa. You see? Now, sometimes moms and dads, sometimes they're believer. They, they believe in Jesus Christ. They, 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 they're Christians. Now, number one, that's not good for them. That's not good for them because when that's the case, we're talking millstone territory. That's millstone territory. And Jesus gives a, a stern warning for, you know, uh, 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 causing a child to wander. That's millstone territory when, when, when parents are believers. But sometimes parents are not believers. And what are they doing? They raise children according to what is right in their own eyes. What they presume to be right. What they think to be right. And they raise children according to that. What is right in their own eyes. And in the case of Micah, Micah says, you know, hey, you know, hey, son, this silver, it was, it was, you know, from my hand to the Lord. And so she tries to homogenize her idolatry. And a carved image, molded image. But here, no, no, I want, you want to give it back? But no, I'm going to give it to you. And so in verse four, then he returns the silver to his money. He returns the silver to his mother. So there's like that little, like that yo-yo exchange, you know, here it's for you. No, 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 you keep it. No, no, it's for you. And there's that little yo-yo ex ex exchange. And so in verse four, thus he returned the silver to his mother. What a good kid. Oh, what a good kid. Look, he was, he's, he's returning the money back, the money that he stole. What a good kid. Now, number one, is Micah honoring his mother? Is Micah honoring his mother? Or does he not like her curse? You see? Whatever the curse was, the oath of repercussion, just like the cookies. Remember, you know, you, you, you want a cookie, you open the cookie jar and you see just little crumbs, not even like big crumbs. Sometimes you can see big crumbs, big crumbs and you can like have like a little semblance of a little cookie. And it's like, okay, I, I, I got, my, I got my, my, my chocolate fix. But not even like big crumbs, like little tiny crumbs where, you know, you put your, your finger in and there's like nothing and you're like, okay, there was a cookie, you know, an hour ago there was a cookie. Now there's no cookies. Then you go to the kids. Hey, who's the culprit here? Who took my cookie? Who in the world took my cookie? Because, hey, stand by for toastation. Because, hey, we're going to play some games. Stand by. And, you know, appropriate, you know, age appropriate, of course, because you want your cookie and, you, you know, there's that repercussion. And then finally, somebody like one of the kids like, lifts their hand out. It was me. It was me. You see, and what happens with Micah's mom? Whatever her oath of repercussion was, you know, whoever took my money, I'm telling the elders and they're going to stone that guy. That guy is dead. It was whatever it was. It was enough to get the attention of the thief, her son. You see? And now look, you know, he, re he returns the money to his mom. Oh, what a good kid. Oh, the Lord bless you, son. What a good kid. But he's a thief. 
He's a thief. Mama's an idolater. You see? Is he honoring his mom or does he not like the curse? Because if he honored his mom, we wouldn't even see the taking of her money. There wouldn't even be 1,100 shekels missing if he honored his mom. You see? What was the curse? Was, was the oath of repercussion? Did, did, did she allude to stoning? Whatever it was, it was enough to rock his world. It was enough to get his attention. And so Micah, oh, mom, it was me. Here it is. Here's, here's your 1,100 shekels of silver. You see? And this is something very common. This is something very common where people, they fess up not because of honor of the offended party and not because of godly sorrow, which leads to repentance, which is a good thing. Don't forget, remember our study, our, our, our new covenant studies, how there's worldly sorrow and godly sorrow. Godly sorrow always leads to repentance. That's godly sorrow. And that's a good thing because it's how we're cleaned up. But at the same time, there is worldly sorrow. And a lot of times what happens is that people fess up, not because of godly sorrow. They fess up because they've been caught. And when this happens, hearts, hearts tend to get harder, harder, no softness, no circumcision. Hearts get harder. And this happens with infidelity, marital infidelity. We see this a lot with infidelity where men are sorry because they've been caught. There's no godly sorrow. They're sorry because they've been caught. And in the course of time, hearts get even harder. And where there's infidelity and the guy is sorry because he's been caught, the infidelity returns. And it's worse. You know why? Because the heart was hard before, but now it's harder. Wives, take heed. Take heed. Very important. A lot of men send their wives on guilt trips. And then, the, you know, they're caught there. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And then the wife says, okay, you know, I'll, I'll take you back. And then the husband, because he's not, there's no godly sorrow. It's, you know, he's sorry because he was caught. And the heart in a year, in two years, in five years, it's not more soft. It's just the opposite. It's harder. You see, instead of, instead of maple, now it's pine or even worse, instead of maple or pine, now it's stone. Now it's rock hard, you see? And the harder a heart is, don't expect righteousness. You see? It gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And we see this in the life of Micah, in this interaction with this mom. Because it's in the area of money. Micah, he gives the money back to mama. Hey, mom, it was me. I don't want to get stoned. Whatever it was, whatever the oath of repercussion was. Here, here mom, it was me, you know. 
I don't want whatever your oath was, I don't want that to happen to me. So here it is. Is he honoring his mom? No. He was caught. And he didn't he didn't like whatever that reaper I have, I have a hunch that it was stoning. The mom said, you know, whoever took the money, I'm going to the elders, and you know, they're gonna stone him. And so, you know, it, it rocked his world. Okay, it was me. Here it is. Notice what happens here. Then his mother took 200 shekels of silver and gave them to the silversmith and he made it into a carved image and a molded image. And they were in the house of Micah. What in the world is happening? It's enough to look at the home of Micah and his mom. It's enough to look at that home and say, okay, this home is a mess. This home is a mess. Number one, the son is a thief. Number two, mama is an idolater. And when mama is an, idol an idolater with her graven images, her idols, when mama's an idolater, then you look at Micah and you're like, hey, you know, I get it. You know, Micah didn't have a fighting chance because look who raised him. Look who raised Micah. You say, Micah's a thief. He, 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 he didn't just steal. He stole from his own mom. It's like, oh, that's terrible. It's terrible. Yes, it's terrible. But look who raised them. She raised the real winner. She's an idolater. She's an idolater. You see? And it's so powerful when we take all these things into consideration. And that's the home. That's their tent. But now it gets we see something else. The silversmith? You, you wonder, like, well, you know, why are you bringing the silversmith into the picture? What's wrong with him? Is, is there no one in Israel? She, she goes to the silversmith. Hey, silversmith, here's, here's 200 shekels, you know, and this is what I want with it. I want a carved image and a molded image. Does the silversmith not know the Lord? Can the silversmith not say like, hey, you know, you know, I, you know, I, I, I like your business. I, I, I like it when you come to me for help. And, you know, I'll, you know, you, you had a request for this, this jewelry or you needed this, you know, I don't know, like a, 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 a leg for the table. And, you know, I fashioned it for you. No big deal. You know, for the table, for a chair, for whatever it was. And but this idol, I'm sorry, you know, I can't, I can't do that. I can't do that. But you don't see that. The silversmith, okay. I've made this for you. I've made that for you. Molded image, okay, no big deal. You see? Everyone doing what is right in their own eyes. Everyone. And the completed product, the final product, in the house of Micah, like mama, like son. Idolatry. You look at Micah and you look at Mama. How did she teach him? How did she teach him? Now you look at Mama alone. When Micah was a little boy or even before he was born, what was Mama taught? What was she taught? Where are the priests? Where are the priests? Now, granted, there are priests. But when I say where are the priests, I'm talking Abodah, Abodah, Mishkan. I'm talking full package. 
Where are they? Now, if you're listening for the first time and you haven't been walking with us for a while, you're like, what? Abodah, Abodah, Mishkan, what is that? Go back to our study in the book of Leviticus and you'll understand more. Abodah, Abodah, Mishkan, where are they? It's very interesting when we see the book of Judges, you see no mention of priests until now. You see no mention of priests. The priests are there, but there's no mention of priests. They get bypassed. You know why? Because of people like Ehud, people like Deborah. When the Lord becomes forgotten, no, they stand for the Lord. You see? Very interesting. We see that not only in the book of Judges, but you see that with Ezekiel. You see that with Jeremiah, where, you know, Ezekiel, he says, Lord, you, you want me to be a prophet? But look, you know, there's the priests, there are the prophets, you know, like use them. Use them. And at the same time, the Lord says, okay, I'm paraphrasing, but this is the gist of what he says. The Lord, he says, okay, Ezekiel, you point to the, the priests, you point to the prophets, okay. And then he takes them. The Lord takes Ezekiel and tells Ezekiel, he says, put your finger in this wall. And so he pokes a hole in the wall. And then the Lord says, hey, Ezekiel, look inside the hole. And so Ezekiel puts his face up to the wall. His eye gets closer and closer to the hole. Everything's fuzzy and he gets closer and closer and closer. It's fuzzy, it's fuzzy. He gets closer and closer and closer. And then he sees perfectly clear. The priests, the prophets that he thought the Lord could use, they were doing all kinds of abomination. The sex, the orgies, worshiping creation, worshiping the sun. And who Ezekiel thought was a priest, who Ezekiel thought was a prophet, you know what? They weren't. They were prophet in name only, priest in name only. This is why we stress formula. The formula has to be right. The formula has to be right. And so what Ezekiel thought were vessels of the Lord, no, 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 no. They were not. And the Lord calls Ezekiel and says, Ezekiel, you're my guy. I'm going to use you. The same way he did with Deborah in the, our study in the earlier chapters of the book of Judges. You have the priesthood. And in the law, it is written that the Lord will speak to the priest. The Lord speaks to the high priest. The priests have a, a, a very specific responsibility and task. And yet in the book of Judges, you see the absence of the priests. And where you see mention of priest is here in Judges 17. Where are the priests? Where are the priests? Why is it that mom of Micah, why is it that she thinks idolatry is okay? When the Lord says, hey, that's not okay. Where are the priests who should have told her? The very fact that we see Micah as an adult, child of this woman. And we see the behaviors. He's a thief. He didn't just steal. He stole from his own mom. 
Mama is an admitted idolater. Why is it that we get to this level? This adult child, Micah. Why is it that we get to this level? I mean, why couldn't, why couldn't Micah have, you know, uh, 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 took something, stolen something at age five and boom, it's nipped in the bud right there. Stole something at age eight and boom, it's addressed right there, nipped in the bud. But oh no. Now this carnal nature, these works of the flesh that do not bring honor to the Lord, they've metastasized to such a level as this that we see. Micah's a thief. And not just a thief. The icing on the cake is that he's a thief and he stole money from his own mom. You see? Look at verse 5. And in verse 5, the man Micah had a shrine and made an ephod and household idols. And he consecrated one of his sons who became his priest. You see, what is happening? Oh, look, Micah, he's consecrating his son. He's consecrating his son. And he makes his son his priest. Listen, 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 listen. And I love you. Consecration. Consecration is a very beautiful thing. Very beautiful. But, 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 the formula, it must be right. You see? Because consecration, it's unto the Lord. According to what the Lord teaches us about consecration, this is beautiful. When the formula is right, this is beautiful. But when the formula is wrong, do not expect righteousness. You see? And parents, I love you, I love you, I love you. Parents, we see baby dedications in churches everywhere. Baby dedications. Do not treat it as a small thing. Don't treat it as a small thing because it isn't. It's huge. Consecration unto the Lord. It's a big deal. It's a huge deal. And then we get to verse 6. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And we see it already in the household of Micah and his mom. We see it. The Lord bless you, son. Look at how the, the, the words that she's using, you think like, wow, she's using these words and wow, she honors the Lord. She's invoking his name and wow, this is, she's invoking the Lord and wow, this is, this must be a nice holy family, a righteous family. But then you look under the hood and what do you see? Thief, idolatry, wrong formula. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Remember, leadership matters. Leadership matters. Remember, Israel under Moses as leader? Praise be to the Lord. It was beautiful. Israel under Joshua and the elders? Praise the Lord. It was beautiful. The problem is that they died. You know, they died. 
Everyone, you know, it's appointed for every man once to die and then judgment. Moses died. Joshua died. The elders died. Who is the next generation of leadership? Well, as we see in the book of Judges, it was found wanting. It was found wanting. Then you see, Ehud remembered the Lord. Deborah remembered the Lord. They honored the Lord. Jephthah, his daughter, they honored the Lord. A sweet aroma unto the Lord, and the Lord saw them. That's my guy. Ehud, that's my guy. Deborah, that's my gal. Remember in the judge in the book of Judges, you know, everyone not everyone did what was right in his own eyes, but they did evil in the sight of the Lord. They did evil in the sight. He never left. He was there. He saw it. He saw it. Now, in the case of Samson, the Lord left Samson, but he saw the, the eyes of the Lord are everywhere. You see? In the case of Judah, the eyes of the Lord was witness to everything. You see? And it's so powerful to remember that with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. You know what that means? The freshness of these very events was like yesterday to the Lord. And the word of God teaches us that the Lord is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. Why? Because he's a God of love, a God of mercy, a God of grace. And in verse 6, we see in those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. We read in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. There is a way that seems right to a man. But its end is the way of death. A way that seems right to a man. But its end is the way of death. You go to death row in men's prison. You get death row. Every single soul in death row was a fresh baby at one point in his life. What happened? Why is it that these men on death row are they're in prison awaiting to be killed, to be executed? Why? What happened? They were a fresh baby, a, f a beautiful, beautiful baby boy. What happened? You go to death row in women's prison. Every single soul was a fresh baby girl at one point in her life. What happened? A beautiful, beautiful baby. You know, tiny, tiny little thing with the little toes and little fingers, the little nose, the little ears, the little eyes. Beautiful, beautiful eyes. What happened? I mean, it can be asked of the, of the man or woman awaiting the electric chair. Where did he go wrong? Where did she go wrong? And it can be asked unto them, but it can also be asked of mama and papa. Where did they go wrong? Where did they
they go wrong? The parent. Mama and Papa, where did they go wrong? Yes, the child did make terrible choices. I mean, they're in prison awaiting the electric chair. They made terrible choices. But what do you expect of a child when Mama and Papa make poor choices? What do you expect? And sometimes I have these conversations with teenagers, young adults, and we just talk. Beautiful. My most favorite conversations are the, the, the one-on-one scenario. I, I love it so much. And we engage in conversation. It's very lovely. It's very beautiful. And it kills me. It breaks my heart. To discover that the parents, the parents, they don't grease the skids for the child and greasing the skids in the ways of righteousness. They do the opposite. They grease the skids on the path of hell. You say, wait a second. Wait a second. You can't put that burden on parents. You can't put that burden on parents. You're being unreasonable. Listen, I agree. I don't put that burden on parents. God does. God does. I'm just a messenger. You see? And just as we read in verse 6, In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And you know what's happening today? Everyone is doing what is right in his own eyes. Everyone is doing what is right in her own eyes. And in verse 7, we see this in Judges 17, verse 7. There was a young man from Bethlehem and Judah. Of the family of Judah, he was a Levite and he was staying there. In verse 8, the man departed from the city of Bethlehem in Judah to stay wherever he could find a place. Then he came to the mountains of Ephraim, to the house of Micah as he journeyed. So notice what's happening here. We, we We know what the tent of Micah is like. We know what the tent of Micah is like. And these two meet. Micah and the Levite. And in verse 9, and Micah said to him, where do you come from? Where do you come from? And in verse 9, so he said to him, I am a Levite from Bethlehem in Judah, and I am on my way to find a place to stay. Verse 10, Micah said to him, Dwell with me and be a father and a priest to me, and I will give you ten shekels of silver per year, a suit of clothes, and your sustenance. So the Levite went in. Now, consider this proposition. Consider the proposition. The Levite. The Levite has qualifications of bona fide priesthood, being a Levite. But remember, Abodah, Abodah, Mishkan. 
If you're listening for the first time, go back and listen to our study in Leviticus. You'll know all about it. There are qualifications for priesthood. A Levite. But there are unseen qualifications. A matter of the heart. Just like the two sons of Aaron. They had qualifications for priesthood. But there were deeper qualifications which disqualified them. They offered strange fire unto the Lord. You see? Remember our studies? And so Micah, he makes this proposition. And included in this proposition, mom raised the real winner in Micah. Ten shekels of silver per year. Now, let's say that's the average annual wage. Ten shekels of silver per year. Now, this puts, puts the original 1,100 shekels that, that he stole, that Micah stole from his mom, it puts this in perspective here. He stole 1,100 shekels and he's going to give this Levite, he's going to give 10 shekels per year, 10 shekels of silver per year. And it really puts the 1,100 in perspective. This was a family of wealth, Micah. This was a family of wealth. Something wealthy people rarely hear is the word no. Very rarely do the wealthy hear the word no. And the wealthy, you know what they do? They throw money out at anything and they get their way. And this is what Micah is doing. Micah is doing exactly this. Remember, in verse 10, hey, Levite. Dwell with me, be a father and priest to me, and I will give you 10 shekels of silver per year, a suit of clothes, and your sustenance. And so look what happens. So the Levite went in. Now, we know what the tent of Micah looks like. He's a thief and the worst kind of thief. He stole from his mom. You see? And not just that, he's an idolater. And you're like, wow, you know, Micah, where did you go wrong? And then you look at mama, you're like, okay, you know, you get it. Look who she raised. She didn't, she was an idolater herself. Idolatry begets idolatry. Sin begets sin, begets sin, begets sin, begets sin. It happens. It happens in a life. It happens across generation, multiple generations. And sometimes I have these conversations with people who they're believers in Jesus. They come to Christ. And a lot of times with kids, teenagers, they have such a hard time with being a Christian in their own home because a 10 year old boy, a 12 year old girl, they believe in Jesus. They come to Christ, but mama and papa and siblings, they do not believe. You see? They do not believe. Listen, if that's you and you're listening and you're a believer and you're the only one in your home, let that, let that, that generational influence of sin begetting sin begetting sin begetting sin, kill it. Kill it. Let it end with you. Let it end with you. You look at grandma and grandpa and they raise some real winners. 
You look at mama and papa and, you know, you're like, wow, you know, look at my sin. I was a thief too. I was, I did this and I got in all these fights and I use all these cuss words and, you know, I'm 11 years old and, but I believe in Jesus. And praise be to the Lord. Kill it, kill it right there. That trend of sin, that trend of the carnal nature. That downward momentum that leads to the pit of hell, kill it in you. And now you're the very beginning. You're the point man. You're the point girl. You're the point boy. You're the point woman. You're the point person in your home that changes the momentum of that downward trend. Now you as a vessel of the Lord being a believer in Jesus. Now you can be the influence in that home. And I have these conversations with young people. And sometimes they're just so down in the pits. Like, wow, what am I, you know, like, I, 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 I pray my dad makes fun of me. I speak to my mom and I don't cuss and my mom ridicules me. And, you know, I try to live for righteousness and my brothers hate me. My sisters hate me. And it's like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And praise be to the Lord. Because you're the light. In your home, you're the light. And that downward momentum can now shift. You see? And it's beautiful. Don't be discouraged. Don't be, especially for my younger brothers, my younger sisters in the Lord. I love you. Don't be discouraged. That downward trend, that downward shift can change and start to go up. You see, because of you and the Lord in you. And so Micah, a wealthy, wealthy home, wealthy family. He's throwing money at a problem, not a problem, just throwing money at a situation, at a scenario. Remember Peter, when money was thrown out at an issue, when he says, your money perish with you. In the case of the Levite, the Levite has a choice to make. The Levite has a choice to make where, you know, Micah, hey, you know, in verse 10, dwell with me and be a father and priest to me, and I will give you 10 shekels of silver per year, a suit of clothes and your sustenance. Micah could have just observed the situation, you know, looked over his shoulder and seen like, okay, there's, I see idols in that home. Maybe walked in for, you know, five minutes. And see idol like idolatry, like know that this is a tent of idolatry, and be like, okay, I'm out. Thank you for your offer, Micah, but I'm out. But we don't see that. We don't see that in the Levite. You see, the Levite has a choice to make. And what does he do? He goes inside. He goes inside. In verse 11, then the Levite was content to dwell with the man. You know, all, our, all this time in the book of Judges, there was a priesthood. The priests were, I mean, they didn't die and dwindle off. There wasn't zero population among the Levites. There were Levites, people who were qualified. But when you look at qualifications of the heart, you see they are disqualified 
Then instead of the Lord using the priests, you see Ehud, that's my guy. Deborah, that's my gal. Don't forget beautiful Yael with the tent pig. Beautiful, beautiful Yael. I'm so in love with Yael. Now, Old Testament rules of engagement. Remember, Old Testament rules of engagement. We don't fight that way anymore. To my beautiful sisters in Christ, listen, we don't fight that way anymore. But look at the heart of beautiful Yael. As new covenant believers, we fight with weapons of warfare that are not of the flesh. We fight on our knees in prayer before the Lord. You see, fighting the good fight of faith. That's how we fight as Christians, our people of the way. That's how we fight. No tent pegs, spiritual tent pegs, but no car, no tent pegs of the flesh. No, that's Old Testament rules of engagement. Just a little disclaimer for my sisters in Christ, whom I love. The Levite, priest, he had, he had the qualifications. He's a Levite, he's a priest. He has the qualifications, but there are deeper qualifications. He could have walked in and said, okay, idle here, idle there, idle. Okay, Micah, it's a pleasure to meet you. And you know, this was a good conversation. And um, I'm out. Thanks, but no thanks. But we don't see that. The Levite, he goes in and he's content to dwell with Micah. And the young man became like one of his sons to him. Oh, look how nice. How nice this is. What harm could come from this? Oh, you're being too harsh. You're being too harsh. Look, a lot of good can come from this. The Levite could be a good influence to Micah. Come on, a lot of good can come. Remember, everyone was doing right in their own eyes. And that, it never turns out well. It never turns out well. Look what happens here in verse 12. So Micah consecrated the Levite, and the young man became his priest and lived in the house of Micah. What's happening? What's happening? It should be the other way around. If the formula was right, it should be the Levite consecrating Micah unto the Lord. But what in the world is happening? Do you remember our studies in Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy? Something so beautiful was put in place. And I'm not advocating the law in any way, shape, or form. Remember, the law is still holy, but it is the lesser light. Remember the high beams in our study in, in Galatian, uh, Galatians? The high beams, the, you know, the law is still holy, but there is a greater glory, and that's in the fulfillment of the law, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if you're listening for the first time, go back and listen to our study through Galatians. You'll understand more. Remember how our study in Leviticus came with a major warning label looking to Galatians and other passages in scripture because we abide in Christ. We do not abide in the law. To abide in the law is to exit Jesus Christ. You and me, we abide in the fulfillment of the law. Very important. If you're listening for the first time, go back and listen to our study through Galatians and Hebrews. You'll understand more. It's very important. 
because Satan likes to seduce people into the law because he knows to abide in the law is to exit Christ. Satan knows that. Very important as Christians, as a people of the way, we abide in Jesus Christ. And in our study in Torah, in Deuteronomy, in Numbers, in Leviticus, these things were put in place. Remember, the law was added because of transgression. Don't forget, the law is the additive. Very important. The law is the additive. The only law given to Abraham, circumcision. You see? And yet this law, which is the lesser light, the greater glory is in the law's fulfillment, which is Jesus Christ. And how we said in our study in Deuteronomy and Numbers and Leviticus, how yes, these are beautiful things that are put in motion. Remember, put in motion like we in our in our our, our, our study in Peter, the things. Remember the the, the 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 doctrine of the dominoes. I was recently having a conversation with a with a, a student, and it, where do you get this doctrine of dominoes? <laughs> and we had a good conversation. It was beautiful. Where do you get this? You know, tell me where do you get this doctrine? They they they, they try to speak all collegiate. You get this doctrine of dominoes. But remember our study in Peter, first Peter, the things which angels look into, the things put in motion many, many moons ago. And something so beautiful put in place. Yes, the law. I'm not advocating advocating the law, but the law was the additive. The means by which a soul can be right with the Lord. Where a priest can say, hey, let's get you cleaned up. You see, this priest, this Levite, he's being consecrated by Micah when it should be the other way around. It, it should be the priest that says, hey, Micah, let's get you cleaned up. I see these idols. Let's, let's burn them. Let's get rid of them. Let's, you know, let's just, let's clean house. And let's get right with the Lord because, hey, Micah, you're dirty. You're filthy. You're unclean. And because of Abodah, Abodah Mishkan, we got to get you clean. Let's get you cleaned up. But we don't see that. And in our study in the Old, well, I mean, we're in the Old Testament, but like Torah, Deuteronomy Numbers, do you remember how we would say these are beautiful things put in motion? But we would also say how Corruption can be very easy, easily corrupted. We're seeing it happen here in Judges 17, real time, real time, according to, you know, the era of Judges 17, but we're seeing it happen because the priest can walk in, you know, hey, you know, nice to meet you, sir. You know, what's your name? Oh, you're Micah. Nice to meet you, Micah. Probably a, a nice tent because a family of wealth, probably a very nice tent with the Nice accoutrement. Probably very nice. Walks in, sees the idols. Now he could say, hey, I'm out. I see your idols. I'm out. Or I see your idols. Hey, we got to get you cleaned up. But that doesn't happen. 
You see? We're seeing this corruption in real time with the priest. In the Judges 17 era, we're seeing it in real time. But we've also seen Micah, his heart, a thief, the worst kind of thief, the kind that steals from his own mom. Then you look at mom. She has an idol. Idolatry. And she's, a, she's idolatrous. The son is idolatrous and is a thief. Sin begets sin, begets sin, begets sin. And now Micah is influencer unto priest. You see? This corruption. We're seeing it in Judges 17, yes. In Judges 17, what about Judges 1? What about Judges 2, 3, 4, 5, 6? What has been learned? What has been learned? I meant, were there no generations of the, of the Levitical priesthood that could see, like, oh, you know, you know, when, when there was rest in the land for 40 years, when there was rest in the land for 80 years, were there, were there no men of the priesthood to say, hey, you know, we need to get right with the Lord so that Israel can be clean. Generation upon generation upon generation, the Lord has become forgotten. They have the priesthood. The priests are there. They have Levites. They have Kohanim. They have them. But where are they? It reminds me of pastors today. Pastors today. We have pastors everywhere. Pastors can be found everywhere on every street corner. You can find the pastor. And I say street corner on purpose. On every street corner, you find the pastors. They are everywhere. But where are the pastors? Where are the pastors? Where is the Abodah, Abodah, Mishkan of our generation? Where? Pastors are everywhere. Sometimes in one church, there's like 10 pastors. And there's churches everywhere. And each church has multiple pastors, multiple elders. So-called Godly men. And you look with eyes according to the flesh. You look with eyes of Adam. And you can see pastors, elders, ministry leaders everywhere. But when you look with eyes to see, where are they? Remember Paul in Corinth? You have 10,000 teachers but one father. He speaks of himself. Not in a boastful way, not to say like, oh, look, these 10,000, but follow me because I'm awesome. No, he's speaking the truth. You have 10,000 teachers, but one father. And when he says that, when, in, 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 in 1 Corinthians, when he says that, when he writes that, he speaks about a birth canal. Now, 
according to the flesh, that is impossible for men. But according to the Spirit, speaking to the saints in Corinth, you guys are like my children. They became Christians in Paul's missionary journeys. They became believers. You have 10,000 teachers. Picture that. 10,001 teachers. That's a whole lot of teachers. But only one is full package. You see? You look at a city that has 10,001 teachers. But only one? It's like pastors today. Pastors are everywhere, on every street corner. They're everywhere. But where is Abuda, Abuda, Mishkan? Where? That's what I want to know. Where are the men of God who will teach, who will pour into the flock of God, who will die for the flock of God, who will protect the sheep? You see? In Judges, Judges 17, what has been learned? Judges 17, we're, we're generations from Judges 1. But what has been learned across generations? Why is Micah an uh, idolatrous thief? The worst kind of thief. He, th he steals from his own mom. The worst kind of thief. He's not stealing from a neighbor, which is bad. He's not stealing from a stranger. He's stealing from his mom. The worst kind of thief. You see? Then you figure, okay, well, Micah, what? Who taught you? Then you realize, well, Micah was raised by his mom. Okay, what's the formula in mama? She's an idolater. Oh my goodness, Micah had no chance. Micah had no chance. Look at his mom. Who taught my who who taught the mom? Who taught Micah's mom? And then you start to see the very fact that Micah threw money at this problem, at this issue, at this scenario. Ten shekels a year, he throws money at the issue. And now look, he has the priest in his pocket. He has the priest in his pocket. Wealthy people, you know why they rarely hear the word no? It's because they don't like it. They don't like it and they throw money at an issue and whoever is speaking to them, they want the money. They want the money. I've had conversations with pastors where the pastor, you know, I, I can't, I, I can't teach like this. I can't teach like that because if I do, people will leave. And if people leave, you know, my paycheck is going to dwindle down. Pastors, pastors have said that. You know what those people are called? Hirelings. 
hirelings. And Jesus warns about hirelings. He specifically says hirelings do not care for the sheep. They don't care for the sheep. What do they care for? Their wallet. Hirelings. You see? Look at the money preachers we see today. Oh, for your love gift of $100, we'll send you this. We'll send you that. For your love gift. And if you want to be super awesome, you'll do a thousand. And God will give you a hundred times more than that. You can sow seeds in, you know, in the kingdom. But that's carnal. That's of the flesh. You see, there is a crown that awaits the saint. It's got your name on it. The choices that we make in this life, in the here and now, choices that honor the Lord, those choices will determine whether or not that crown is placed on your head. You see? When Jesus says, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. Remember Brother James when he says, you know, like you believe, but he says even the demons believe. Remember, belief is a package deal. Obedience. Listen to our study in the book of James. You'll understand more. You see? In the earlier chapters of the book of Judges, we see there is rest in the land for 40 years, for 80 years, for another 40 years. We see there is rest in the land, but in the latter chapters, we don't see that anymore. No more rest in the land. And then we reflect back on our study in Deuteronomy 28. The blessings of obedience, the curses for disobedience. And you know what? The Lord, God, the Most High, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel, who has a son, who never changes, him, the Lord. He's just doing exactly what he said he would do. That's it. And everyone is doing what is right in their own eyes. I want to say something very, very specifically to pastors. Pastors, don't be a sellout. You cannot serve the Lord and mammon. Do not be captivated by the purse of the wealthy. God is no respecter of persons. The same should apply to you. The wealthy, the wealthy, without Christ, will burn in hell. But it's the same with the poor. The poor, without Christ, will burn in hell. And everyone in between, without the blood of Jesus Christ over the doorpost of our hearts, there is hellfire, damnation, weeping, and gnashing of teeth. Whether rich or poor, pastor, if the Lord has called you into pastoral ministry, pastor, pastor. And I say the two words interchangeably as noun and verb. 
If the Lord has called you to be a pastor, noun, pastor, verb, shepherd the flock of God. You see? Be not a respecter of persons. I want to say something to the wealthy. To the wealthy. Go and listen to our study in the book of James. James chapter 5 specifically. And understand for the wealthy, it is more difficult for you to enter eternity. More difficult. It's not impossible. It's just difficult. In some cases, very difficult. It's not impossible. There's a very specific formula to the ways of righteousness. And what happens with a lot of Christians, a lot of Christians turn the wealthy into the enemy. Hating wealthy people. And these Christians forget that Jesus died for poor and rich and everyone in between. To the rich. To the wealthy person. Understand that the church and Christians, they're going to be straight up crazy in the last days. It's because of apostasy and strong delusion. These are prophetic events. And to the wealthy, don't be dismayed. Don't let your heart grow hard. You know what that is? You know what you're seeing? Fulfillment. Fulfillment. It's not good for them. I mean, it's good fulfillment, but it's not good for them because apostasy and strong delusion comes at a, a very heavy cost. I mean, we're talking like, you know, hellfire damnation territory. So when we say fulfillment, we mean fulfillment, but it's, it's good in terms of fulfillment, but it's not good for them that are in that camp of the apostate. That are in the camp of those under strong delusion. And sometimes the wealthy, the heart of the wealthy gets hard. It's already hard, but it gets harder and 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 harder because of what they hear of the Christian that speaks against the wealthy. But understand to the wealthy, God loves you. God loves you. The Bible says it is easier for a camel to enter the eye of a needle than for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's very difficult for the rich to enter eternity, to enter the kingdom of heaven. And it sounds like scary odds. But understand, it's not impossible. It's not impossible for you to enter paradise. Go and listen to our study in the book of James, chapter 5 specifically. It's not impossible. And if you're listening, whether poor or rich or anybody in between, understand that this world that we're living in today, in the present, it's fading. It's fading fast. It's why we say jump ship and welcome aboard. Jesus Christ is the ark of our time. We have a destination, and that's paradise. Whether rich or poor, you want to commit your life to Jesus Christ? Right here, right now, point blank. Hit pause, listen to the message, how to commit your life to Christ. And you do exactly that. You commit your life to Christ. You come back and you listen. And we grow together. We journey together. Because we're going to paradise. 
with Micah? Rich man Micah. He made his purchase. Yes, purchase. He made his purchase of the priest. He made his purchase of the Levite. The Levite could have said, nope, seen the idols and said, hey, I'm out. The Levite could have said, oh, I see the idols. That points to something's wrong. Okay, let's get you cleaned up. Where did you learn this? I learned this from mom. Okay, let's get you cleaned up and let's get your mom cleaned up. The priest could have done that. But Abodah, Abodah, Mishkan became forgotten. But it's no surprise. In a culture where everyone is doing right in his own eyes. In verse 13, then Micah said, Now I know that the Lord will be good to me, since I have a Levite as priest. Yes, the Lord is good. Yes, Micah acquired a Levite. Yes, the priest is close to Micah. But the formula of these mere mortals is way wrong. These are things that we see in Israel, we see it in Judah, we see it in Corinth, we see it in Galatia, we see it in the early church, and in the church today. Understand, the formula must be right. To the beautiful, beautiful people of the way, saints of these last days, God bless you. I love you.